It's mainly the dialogue and stuff like that. Figure that out. Get that. Just keep pushing that envelope to the finished product. But, dude, that is giving me, like, I'm already thinking about the next thing. And I'm like, that would fit. Because wouldn't it be cool if then after that we did, like, a third one, which was, like, what? Like, think of another event. Like, it will come to us. I don't have it right now. But further forward in time. And then you have, like, the last hundred years. Yeah, pretty much. Surrounded with this common. Framed up. This, like, common thread going through them. But just people. Just, like. and, Mm -hmm. And the thing is, like with the first story, it's, like. It doesn't necessarily, that never necessarily happened, but it also almost definitely didn't happen. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? (laughs) um, Whereas, like, with this, I think if that is the case, I think that there's plenty of liberties that can be taken with that story. And no one can say, well, it was impossible that it happened. And, you know what I mean? Like, and stuff like that. And we can create our own thing from that. But it's a great, uh, the premise right off the bat i was like yeah this we could totally uh do something oh, yeah. with this. A- absolutely but yeah that's all the teasing that you get ladies and germs yeah just cradle the balls just know that we're making a movie and we want to make a bunch of movies and that's it <laughs> that's it and um yeah if you would just... like us you know to make movies and you think that's a good idea, well then hit us up on Twitter or Facebook and give us money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's that that's simple, folks. The world is really that it simple. Is, uh, it is. <laughs> unfortunately, all you have to do is have somebody's PayPal QR code and you could just give them a million dollars. That's a thing yeah. that happens. Getting <laughs> yeah. money is a bit harder, but giving money away is oh, easier yeah. than ever. So, yeah, absolutely. Giving giving money away has become easier than you know. I do you know what? <laughs> I don't even know I what's wonder, easier then. <laughs> I wonder if today money laundering is easier than ever with things like Patreon crowdfunding. Maybe right because you could just be like, oh, all of fucking that that ten billion dollars. Yeah, I gave it to fucking Greg at Kitten Mittens. <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I financed Greg's whole kit mitten operation. Yeah, go look at it. Yeah. Go check it out. Yeah, it's a thing. And then they yeah. put the and like, you know what I mean? Like, it's easy. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, you'd have to, like, yeah, you'd have to, fe- like, all you would have to do is establish where the money came from initially and then where the money went. That's it. <laughs> That's, yeah. You don't have to, there's no paper trail anymore. There's no, like, <laughs> just yeah, a, crazy, oh, yeah, right? it was in that guy's bank account and now it's here. Shit. It's probably there's probably people that are that are like finance experts that are like that's not how it works, you fucking idiots. Yeah. But hey, we're not here for those people. We're that's not, why we're asking you for money. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, why we're exactly that's why we're asking y'all for money and, instead of uh, instead of trying to make it on our own because we'd be criminals, you know. <laughs> we would be absolute yeah. shitbag criminals. But anyway, speaking of shitbag yeah. criminals, um, shitbags. This is a uh, this is a special episode of uh, of movie Sherpas, which uh, it's it, we're we're adhering to an old format. We we initially were going to do multiple movies uh, in each podcast, but we decided it was a better idea just to focus on one. Um, but uh, we couldn't. I mean, I at least I couldn't help but draw a parallel between these two movies and a couple of the movies that we've been doing. These uh, like. Uh, 
the past couple of days here on our countdown to Halloween. Uh, it's uh, 10 days, 10 podcasts, about 10 movies. I th- that uh, you know, And the whole month of uh, October has been dedicated to spooky season, which is pretty awesome. And uh, and and we've got uh, we got two here. We got summer of '84 uh, by uh, 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 the the director of summer of '84 yeah. actually liked one of our tweets, which is which is pretty damn cool. Um, you know, it's yes, always it's always neat. His uh, he's definitely in love with his work because you go to his profile and it's all that project and i can totally relate to that yeah <laughs> like, because like oh absolutely that's all, I'm, I'm all about it so um yeah, yeah you guys do it check out our twitter and see our scooby-doo asses then yeah definitely pop <laughs> over to his page and give him some love and let him know what you thought of the film because i'm sure good bad or indifferent i'm sure he just gets off on oh yeah people like it like, absolutely you know, and, it. and matt matt leslie matt leslie thank you very much for uh for for yes. for, I'm not saying I'm not going to say reaching down because uh, I think he's a really more down to earth kind of guy, but perhaps uh, perhaps reaching over, not not around. <laughs> That's we're not going <laughs> to we don't know Matt that well, but uh, yeah. we're, <laughs> not yet. No, but uh, we're going to talk about uh, summer of '84 and also uh, 2018's The Clove Hitch Killer, uh, by uh, written by Christopher Ford, directed by Duncan Skiles or Skeelis or however you say that guy's last name. I think it's Skiles. I'm going to go with Skiles. If someone out there thinks it's different, then correct me. I probably won't, you know, correct myself, but it's okay. He's an actor. He doesn't he's have a, a name. He's a director, an actor. Did but the uh, Dylan McDermott is in that particular uh, film, which is pretty cool. Um, uh, excuse me. Yeah. So um, this is like. Um... Yeah, this is gonna be a true crime kick for the, yeah. for the Halloween. Like you can ask for like because these movies, like if you're on a kick, like if you've been watching, um, you know, a YouTube channel, I would recommend is that chapter. Mm, you know, um, mm-hmm. He's incredible. I love that kid. He's so funny. Um, Mike out. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, I love that. No, go check that out. Um, but if you're on a, you know, you know how you sink into true crime like that, and then oh, you're yeah. like, oh, you watch these are two films to definitely watch in the same night. I wish, I I want someone to experience that because I wish I did because both of these films left me with like a nothing is good now. Like yeah. you know what I mean? Like it's gonna do it for me. Yeah, and I can't and it's get it up. and it's like it's it's very interesting uh, that these that these two movies, these two particular. Uh, movies that are inspired by by true crime are on the list because they're two very uh, very different takes on the uh, on the whole '80s era serial killer kind of thing. Um, the, the summer of '84 is literally a period piece, which is oh my god, dude! The cars and the aesthetic and the clothes and everything is so good. The thing I dug about it the most that sold it to me the most the time period was not there wasn't because i look I, I i again like i always come off like this i'm always the grumpy guy i don't hate these things that i'm referencing that didn't do it as well like i, I like them for what they are but like i'm not like you know i'm not hating it's just with sorry um so uh, people compare have compared the thing of summer 84 to like stranger things or like right uh, 
you know the uh the remakes of um it yeah yeah and the problem the, the, the problem i have with that is that i think he did it better than both of them because the color treatment wasn't fake it was like because and, and again it's gonna come off horrible but like the 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 color palette of those two films that i just referenced is like what you get on a free camera app on your phone yeah like, it's, like, mm-hmm. it's like filming an old west movie with that vignette mm-hmm. filter it's just it's like it yeah yeah but like no like you know i mean like i i it it's delivered to me but it's delivered to me with such a heavy hand whereas like with his it's a bit like like you said it's the more the the touches and the the things but it's filmed very clear like there's not that right it's this it's the uh he he allows and and again we we talked about we talked about uh this with some of the bigger effects films and and uh you know the the more gory stuff and all those types of things it's 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 allowing the technology of your time period to like you know you you operate at its at its peak and you don't go beyond it so you know you can make i i think this i think this was was him saying you know i'm i'm gonna make a film about the 80s about a serial killer in the 80s but I'm not going to be ashamed that it's in full high res, you know, 4K 60 FPS or whatever it is, you know, because a lot of the colors, like, uh, and and it being of the 80s time period, talk about like a vivid color era, you know, with all the blues and the reds and the greens and the yellows and everything that were so popular as a as just a aesthetic, just you know, people wearing it and everything. Uh, he he wasn't uh, he wasn't afraid to sharpen those things up and and not dull them down like you would think, you know, a movie would maybe do if he was trying to put it in the eighties, like that Trans Am that all the like there's a still photo of all the kids in the movie sitting on that blue Trans Am, and like man that's oh such a hot car, yeah, and you're looking like at it think- like it's like you would have seen it, not necessarily someone making a movie of it, but it's like yeah. you would picture it, and I think that's yeah. a cool maybe overlooked kind of a, a thing that he did with this movie. It's very stylized, but very period. Yeah. So it's not looking back. It's like, we're there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Whereas the other films, it's like, we're, I think that's what, back. I think that's what like stranger things and, and, and maybe not so much it, because it was a, a, very, a big effects film and that brings in cameras and whatnot that have to, you know, there's a whole bunch of different things that you need to do. But with stranger things, I think that's kind of, they they did a they did a good. I'm not going to sit here and shit on Stranger Things. No, no, it's one it, of the most yeah. original things that's it, happened it, it uh, in the past twenty years. It's just I, I was just drawing that like people are drawing the comparison, and the only comparison is the period it happened. And I just think they did it differently. And I think the way that he did it is like refreshing, and it still gets the same effect. Right. Like it's like showing you that you can, you know, like the same way that you can do like that you can you know you can make a, a western without you know filming it, it in black and white and yeah. like with silent film and dusty you can make sepia a, tone or something yeah um what was that other film we covered um the one with the dude who played war machine it's in uh 
Oh. And Del Toro. Oh, um, you're talking about no uh, no sudden move. Yeah, no sudden move. That's it. Yeah. So they could have gone that route, right? They could they yeah. could have gone that route to like film it and make it look like that, but it doesn't have to do that as long as everything is where it needs to to be. I can film this with modern technology. Yeah. I I think that's a I think that's a big uh big step forward as far as doing uh period pieces because the there's a, a cool contrast in between these two movies that that I, I observe I watched these actually back to back. because um, it was just I it wasn't like something I did on purpose. It was just I I went down the list and I watched the movies in order and these two happened to be Clofitch Killer and Summer of eighty four were back to back on the list. So that's what I did. And the parallel that you draw that you draw between them is kind of cool. Like Summer of eighty four is a movie that's shot with a specific uh, intention of making you feel as though you're part of it. You know, there they, he fil- he films it yeah. in he films it in that nice sharp high res, you know, perfect uh, beautiful color, beautiful color treatment and everything, vivid, very very vivid. So you so it feels as though you're part of that that universe right then and there. The Clove Hitch Killer, also beautifully shot, is more hazy. Even in the even in the most intimate settings, like the dining room scenes and all that kind of stuff, where they're actually sitting at the table praying together, which is as fucked up as you think it's yeah. think it is when you know exactly who's sitting at the head of the table. But that movie is shot um, more classically at, that you would think maybe a true crime slasher would be or a mystery film like that, where it there's there's that haze that we talk about in front of the camera that kind of detaches you from from what you're watching. So you become more of an observer. I think like, and, and it works because the clove hitch killer is, you know, it's based on some pretty brutal dudes. Like BTK is a huge influence on that movie. In fact, like it, the clove hitch killer, the clove hitch knot is a knot that BTK used to tie people up. Like that's a direct, yeah. that's a direct line in between those two. And I think it's, it's pretty neat that the, the filmmaker, uh, who is it? Yeah, the uh, well, the the director Duncan Skiles and the, the the writer Christopher Ford. I'm sure had something to do with it. Where it was like, we want it to be kind of voyeuristic, and and it sort of kind of puts you in line with the killer almost. It makes it a little bit more uncomfortable. That's what he did. He observed people. He spied on people. He peeped on people. Watched their habits, and then he came into their lives and killed them and tortured them in various ways. I think it's I think that's a really cool kind of. Uh, you know, it, it, it's a parallel because they're both about serial killers, but there's this cool different uh, differentiation between the two of them. Is that Summer of '84 like wants you to come in and be part of it, and the Clove Hitch Killer almost pushes you away. Like, no, you're only supposed to watch. Like yeah. this, like like you, there's nothing you can do about this. Like Summer of '84, you're like, yeah, let's go find out who the. I think this, you know the. I think my neighbor's a fucking serial killer. And then, like, you know, it, it's cool. You go on this journey with this kid who research, who, like, fucking spies on his neighbor for a whole summer trying to figure out. It's like, it's like Disturbia, but in 1984. But then, like, yeah. the Clove Hitch is, you know, it's, uh, it, it forces you to be like, there's nothing I can do about this shit. <laughs> like, there's really nothing. I mean, I wish I could. I wish I could tell somebody that this nice, you know, Boy Scout leader is a fucking sadistic serial killer, but I fucking can't. So I might as well just sit back and enjoy my popcorn and watch what happens. 
I think that's so yeah. cool. Like an, an interesting thing that I that I observed watching the films back to back. I may not have seen that if I watched them, you know, separately. No, for sure. It's um, yeah. I don't know. Oh, I'd say that like so um, <laughs> that was with um, fucking with the clove hitch killer. The thing that I kind of dug about it a lot was like. So I, I feel like Summer of Eighty Four is chasing a mystery. Yeah, it's like, like Scooby Doo. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and that, and, and like you reference like disturbing and stuff like that. So it's like it's super involved. Like you're, like you're invested and you're there every step, and you feel the tension when they're doing things. And you're there, but like with Clove Hitch Killer, it's like a goddamn car crash because you know, damn near the whole time. Mm-hmm. And you're just powerless to yep. help, like like no, and and so and I dig that because they could have gone the other route where they didn't show us those scenes, and then mm-hmm. at the end they were like, "Oh, it was the dad," and it was like, I don't know if that would have been cool, you know? Like, yeah, I think that it, been a bit if cool. if they would have if they would have yeah leaned hard the other way and kind of told it from the perspective of like a private eye or a detective <laughs> or something like that, you know, if they sort of kept it a thin mystery but uh no they uh you they lean in hard right off the bat you know this guy is fucking evil and dylan mcdermott is he's fucking just terrifying as this dude like how how quickly he turns on a dime like going from one personality he really it appears like he probably did a lot of research on bundy did a lot of research on uh, Gacy and all those guys that are that are just unabashedly insane. Yeah. Like that could just that could just flip on a dime. Oh yeah, I'm 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 saying grace with my beautiful family here, and I just tied up a girl and you know choked her and jerked off while she died in front. Like that's just yeah, it's a, that was Tuesday. Today's Wednesday, and I'm yeah. who knows what I'll do tomorrow. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> It's, yeah, it's, um, I think it's really impressive that the Clove Hitch Killer still has tension, right? Yeah. Because if, if this is any other type of film, and we know who the guy is who's doing this right off the bat, mm-hmm. you haven't got anything. But us going on that journey of people, and, and like we know and they don't know, watching them start to know. Yeah. It's surprising to me that that's enough. Like it is. It's more than enough. It works. It's a, you know, that's what pulls you along for the ride. But I'm surprised because I think if someone told you that was their idea, you'd be like, I don't know if that's gonna. You know, what I mean, because if I already know, why would I care? Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Why do I care? Like, they make you care about that, and it it works really well. Well, we saw that we saw that uh, a couple podcasts ago with my friend Dahmer. You know, how is like, you know, you, you, you watch that movie. If you, if you, if you watched it, hit us up on Twitter. Let us know what you think. Cause I'm super interested in, in hearing what people think about that. Because at, at any movie on this list, that is the one where everybody knows the answer. Everybody knows the ending. Everybody knows that this, this, this goofy, tall, gla- Sally Jesse Raphael glasses wearing kid <laughs> yeah. is going to end up being 
possibly, arguably, the most prolific serial murderer of the past century. Like, the the fucking Milwaukee man-eater, man. Like, that, you don't get more infamous than him. And still, even though we know all the folklore, all of the... We've all seen the pictures on Google. All of that. Still, that movie holds your attention and completely just unsettles you from frame one all the way through to the end. Especially the end. Especially the end where he actually, like, he almost becomes like Michael Myers at the end. Where he's like, where he, like, I loved it. We talked about it in the other podcast. Go listen to that one. But he, like, looms in the background in a couple of those shots. He looks like the fucking shape. He looks like, he looks like the serial killer we know he's going to become. And yeah. I think like these the these two movies, uh, not these two movies. I mean, the Clove Hitch Killer, sort of does the same kind of thing. It's like it puts it out in front of you and says, "No, there's nothing you could do about it," and you're gonna watch everybody around here learn slower than you. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, and that's painful. But oh my god, like, like you just you're you're so on the edge of your seat because you want like it, it's 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 one of those things, isn't it? It's like. Um, you know those like Greek tragedies and stuff like that, or like Romeo and Juliet, where it's like no matter how many times you see the film, when it gets to that scene, you still hold apart yourself. It's like wake up, yeah. <laughs> like, and then she's not gonna, you know what I mean? Like because it's so, like if this happens before that happens, then nothing bad happens. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those because like and we're just on the edge of our seat, being like just figure it out, <laughs> like figure it out quicker than you're doing it right now. And it's like so we're like glued to the glued to the screen um whereas i think that like the in summer of 84 what i think works really well is the light-heartedness that we come in yeah and the level that we come into the film the level we go out of the film is so drastically fucking yeah different. you you go um, on a journey in an hour and a half i think it's yeah, it's one of the it's one you. of the most drastic uh, uh, tumbles down the rabbit hole uh, that I've yeah. seen in a long time. Very ballsy for a film to do that. Very ballsy for a film to do that. Yeah, it's like it's like if the Goonies went wrong, like yeah, like, like how they... bad and fucked up that could have been. Mm-hmm. Like Chunk getting just butt fucked to death in <laughs> this pirate ship. Like it just could have been. And it could have, and you know, and you're just sat there like, why did you make me work? Like, no! <laughs> yeah, it's just, you know, and, and that's the thing is because you come in and there's lots of familiar things here. I was like, this will be fine. Yeah, right. I was actually, I was thinking the same thing. I drew the, the, the moment the film started, I was like, oh, Goonies, you know, yeah. like I'd say, or, you know, or uh, another one was Lo- uh, Lost Boys, Lost, yeah. Boy- Lost Boys and the Goonies, you know, about the... Yeah, it, it's the nature of the serial killer and everything. But like you know, the yeah, the Goonies and the Lost Boys. I was thinking when it came in, and boy, like it. And I think that's another interesting thing that that Summer of '84 did. It was, it took a lot of, it took a lot of tropes from the time period, with the clothes and the characters, and you know, having like you know, all oh, the the awkward dude, and then the, you know, the smart young guy, and blah blah blah, and all that stuff. But then. You know, as the film goes in, goes on, it adopts more modern day tropes of, you know, back in the day, a lot of times there weren't a whole lot of films that weren't wrapped up neat in a bow. Like, oh, here you go. Here's the ending. It's nice. Look at that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Good shit yeah. right there. 
there's you know there was a a turn in horror and thriller cinema where it was like nah, it doesn't always need to end positively yeah. you know it doesn't always need yeah. to like movies like the hills have eyes and uh last house on the left and you know all those i mean they're revenge films so they kind of feel good a little bit but still the subject matter it's horrifying uh those were kind of the extreme films that brought that we don't always need a happy ending for the movie to be satisfying and then yeah. modern cinema is you know uh, kind of heavy leans into the whole thing like yeah, no no this is we're not going to be happy at the end here it's no, don't even, don't even think yeah, about it's it. Like, like, I, like this film is why Goonies never say die. Like, yes, that's exactly. Why. This is why because <laughs> that's perfect. Because it happens, dude. Like, and and I, I again, like, I love the lightheartedness and the the you know that that uh, kind of reminiscing that we do in that good feeling. I like it here. Like when you yeah. come into the film, you meet the characters. I like this and. Like I said, you've got the highest of like it's not gonna go that bad. Like you know, it's just gonna be a little mystery thing. They're gonna catch the guy. Like I, I think I know what I'm in store for, and I just think that that is so clever to do because that's the ignorance of that time. That's yeah. why this was happening mm-hmm. in the first place. It's because everyone else in that film is thinking just like we everyone's just like this is great well yeah <laughs> it's like the, the 80s the the 80s and like suburb at least like suburban 80s and everything you talk about city you know 80s and between 1980 and 1984 you know yeah, that's that's cocaine different. cowboys but um you know there's just, it's just like just like was in the 50s like you know post-world war ii there was a you know a resurgence of purity that type of thing the same thing that happened in suburban you know sub- suburban culture in the 80s this this resurgence of purity, this resurgence of just having some good old fun, you know, and then yeah. all of a sudden, out of the dark comes guys like Richard Ramirez, and you know, all of these disgusting, horrible human beings that you know, oh yeah, they've been it's it's this has been happening for thirty almost forty years now, with all these people that are brutally murdering and brutalizing other people. But, like, the 80s, you know, that's the advent of media. That's the advent of, you know, uh, you know, serial television, episodic television, all that kind of stuff, you know, cable. And, yeah, and it's, it's this weird kind of, uh, like, perversion of, of purity that happens with all those things. You have, like, you know, the kids and, like, oh, we're just, we're just a ragtag group of blah, blah, blah. And then, like, oh, well most of you are going to die. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like it's... Well, that, that, that's an interesting thing because like in summer of 84, I think that the, the interesting thing about what you were just saying is that like in, within the film where like, you know, we see his victims, but in the broader scope of things, we were all his victims because no one was able to have a childhood like they were having. Yeah, After yeah. That, it was like the uh-huh. death of that. Like so, yeah. the victims of it were all kids because it changed the whole. Absolutely, yeah. That's thing. like you whoa. didn't talk to your neighbors anymore, and you didn't mm-hmm. go out. You weren't allowed out after dark, and oh, don't ride your bike outside the cul-de-sac. Don't go, you know, don't go this. And and the things started to shrink, and then yeah. you come to like modern day, and now we all just exist inside our little boxes, don't we? Like, we yeah. Don't, it's a really that's that's fucking brilliant. I did like you know big. It's. <laughs> 
Matt, uh, Matt Leslie, if that's a, uh, you know, if uh, I we fucking would love to talk to you about this movie yeah, and any movies that special. you've done, but but this one especially uh, for for right now, that'd be so cool. But dude, that's a that's that is interesting. Like you you witness in that movie the uh, the the death the death of their childhoods. You you really do. Yeah. And, and it's a far-reaching one, because like I said, that's why it hits so hard, because it affects your childhood. Mm-hmm. Like, it affects, it affected everyone, it affects us, it affects everyone after us, and it just grows, and it's like that that uh, domino effect that that guy causes. Like, what those kids go through is horrible, but like I said, it's, it's just like he... he is a monster on another level, right? Because yeah, he's like Freddy Krueger. You know, yeah, it's, it's like not just them; it's everyone. And it, and uh, again, like, it's we gotta be careful with. Um, we don't like to share too much, but the ending, like, it takes balls. That takes yeah proper balls because, mm-hmm. especially with you know, when it comes to kids as the, well, like that's the balls, the because, aesthetic of the film. The the only thing that I'll say about it is the aesthetic of the film lulls you into a false sense of security. Like Warren, Warren was talking about um, how the movie brings you in and makes you comfortable almost, or at least for, at least familiarizes you with a with a certain way of feeling with visuals. And you know it 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 keeps you there, but it also tricks you into this false sense of security, and then. Uh, it absolutely 100% uh, takes cojones to to rip that away from an audience and still expect them to like your movie. Yeah, it's it's a clever thing, and I think it could be applied to like other genres of film because, like, if we look at like that, the, if we're gonna like examine maybe like if there's a problem, like, is there a problem with the haunted house film? Well, it's because there's nothing that's going to surprise me because it's a haunted house, right? right? So anything you do inside of there, I I yeah. get, yeah. But if it was, you know, in a goddamn like adventure funland, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. Then there's a little bit of a rope dope there, and it's like, oh, this. You know, I mean, like, it's the com- how comfortable are you, and then how uncomfortable can I make you? <laughs> like, it's the you know i i think that's an important thing in horror films because i think you can get too intense like because we talked about the vigil right like so yeah you come in and instantly we're stuck in a horrible place and it only gets worse and it works for that delivery but at the same time is that a format that you want to follow for film after film after film especially in that genre whereas i think that like there's a thing that happens in horror, which is really good. Is like if you can bring us in on a high note, well, where we like when things start going bad, we're like, ah, oh, do you remember when things were good? Like, why couldn't we have just stayed there? Like, mm-hmm. well, you know, and stuff like that. And I think that's, I think having a safe to, to bring up like a childhood game, like if, if, if. If, if a horror film doesn't have home base, a safe space right. that we left to be in danger, I think that it's... Yeah, and you're always trying to circle back around and get there, but you're always yeah. that much farther yeah. from it as you go. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's, a, that's something that 
pushes a film in general, like not, not just horror film. I think that that journey is what makes a, a good a good film, right? Like absolutely, and you know that the uh, the same the same kind of thing as as far as the journey goes, the same uh, thing can be said uh, for the Clove Hitch Killer in many ways. Like this, the Clove Hitch Killer, in in stark contrast to Summer of '84, operates more like a procedural drama in in most cases it kind of but but you're you're viewing it kind of on both sides you view it from uh from what's a the uh wow can't remember uh charlie Plummer. there you go he plays tyler burnside uh which is dylan mcdermott's character don burnside he's our he's our he's our killer uh but tyler burnside plays his son who we follow through the movie and we uh, where it's almost told, it's it's weird. It's it's almost told through the eyes of Tyler, sorta. If you can kind of, I mean, he's is. It's not like he's not. It's not like we're you know he's not behind the camera. We're not we're not his eyes or anything, at any at any point. Um, but it's 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 done through the lens of of him. I mean, figuring out who his father is. You know, so it it folds in this. It's full. It folds in this other level of reality so we had you know summer of 84 who uh that that brought us into this you know retro time period that we're not necessarily i mean you know i was a part of it for a little tiny bit i was born in 87 so you know before i could before i could ship by myself it was over but uh you know this the clove hitch killer brings Maybe something that not a lot of us got to experience, you know, got the 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 hype around, you know, oh my God, you know, there's a an un, you know, there's a there's a a serial killer and he was never caught. He stopped killing ten years ago and blah 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 and all this stuff and there's all this mystery around it. And not a lot of us were either too young or not even born yet to, you know, be a part of that and experience the hoopla. And it really this movie allows us to sort of. Yeah, it sort of frames it around a young person slowly but surely putting pieces together about you know something that I mean it's a in the there's a quote in the movie it's the only quote that we'll give you but it's a quote from uh, from the the Tyler Burnside character it's the first murder happened before I was born the killer called himself the Clove Hitch after his favorite type of knot our town lived in fear and then ten years ago he stopped. And that's a direct uh, quote from the movie. So it's like this young person's discovery of something that happened before he was born. And then the realization that it's literally right next to him. Like that's yeah. a very cool thing that the clove hitch, this, that this movie does it, uh, it, it, it really, I mean the, the biggest mystery about these serial killers is like, well, what the fuck do their families think about all of this? Like what happened? Like what happened to them? Like you don't you hear some stuff about BTK's wife and his kids and all of those things, and they try to keep that stuff very quiet and you know out of the media and whatnot. But this is kind of a movie that was like you know that shows you just kind of how unhinged things could be, but also appear incredibly normal, like almost yeah, boringly normal in some in some. I'm not saying the movie's boring, but you know what you see in the movie is like. Yeah, there's a dude down the street that does that. <laughs> like, yeah, is he a fucking yeah, exactly. serial killer? Like, it's, um, I, I think what it does is it, um, you know, 
it, I, I think that a film like this and, and looking at it from this side of the coin, aside from the other side of the coin that we're usually on, is that, um, mm -hmm. you know, so I think when we're on the other side of, when we're on the other side of it, we're always like, how, like what? So when all these things are coming out in the news and like they're asking people to reach out, why aren't they doing that? Like they must be, you know what I mean? We always think the worst of the people around this bad person. And then, like, this film kind of, like, alleviates guilt from the family, which I'm sure they feel still. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, yeah, God, no. I could have done something. I mean, like, I was around him. Oh, God. And then also, like, the perpetual fear of, like, he could have done that to us. Like, we didn't even know this person. We trusted him. I slept next to him. I did that. But I think it does a great job of, like, alleviating, you know. So it's, it's always tough because, like, the one thing in true crime that they never do is give due diligence to the victims um like ever like no one's right ever like not a thing which is a shame um but this film at least focuses on trying to be like he's just like your dad yeah <laughs> you know what i mean I, I will say I will um, to that I will recommend a podcast that uh, that I have been obsessed with over the past year, uh, Morbid, a true crime podcast. With uh, I call them my sisters Elena and Ashley and and Ash. They're fucking awesome, and they give um, they're the first podcast about true crime that uh, gives equal uh, respect and shine to not only the victims but the victims' families. Yeah, of yeah. course they talk about the killers and all that kind of stuff, but sometimes they do episodes just just purely on unsolved murders and all that kind of stuff that yeah. give more light to the victims' families and all that. And I and to your point, I mean, I think that's something that isn't ever done. We're always focusing on we always we always jump from the killer to the detectives trying to get the killer. We don't really care about the people that are in the middle that are most affected by it, right? Yeah. So like one of, one of these like things like I, I said so in the uh no man of god um which is why if you haven't seen that fucking go dude, watch fantastic. it Jesus. Yeah. um but this kind of intelligence of bundy to be like right off the bat he doesn't like fbi guys because he's like dude if i tell you anything you're gonna retire write a book live off that he's like he knows the game and that is mm -hmm. the game like you know um these detectives do a a damn hard job and a good job but yeah they do you know they're looking for that is, guy that they can retire yeah, exactly, on exactly yep. because and, and if you were in their shoes you probably would too because we're all looking for that um financial payday you know well, I mean? yeah also who would want to put their brain through that for you know of course you're going to be looking for a way out the second you get in for sure um however like from a from a moral standpoint it is pretty fucked up um mm -hmm. if, if we're gonna judge which i'm not um but if you want to judge that is pretty fucked up and so i've always had this like develop this kind of thing where i was like it'd be awesome to go on some of these kind of like it would be awesome to catch a guy like that yeah and then be, and then when you catch him when they get to go through that whole procedure that every single one of them gets where everyone's so interested everyone wants to know and just be like, I don't fucking care. You're in a fucking jail cell now. I don't fucking care why, where, who, who your dad. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Because that's the biggest torture you can give these people. 
Because unfortunately, mm. I understand the interest. I'm interested in it too, right? Like, and right. we do do that. But at some point, you catch some, be like, dude, it is kind of fucked up. That like, do you know how much money he made from these television? You know, do you know how much perks? Mm. Do you know how this made his life in prison? doing these things and the stuff that you're eating up and stuff like that and so i think you have to take some accountability and be like as i said i just developed this kind of like fancy it'd be so good to catch a dude like that and have him locked up and be like oh interviews no it's good we have, nope. like we have this we have all the stuff and you're there like i don't fucking care like because that would just be the total it would be hell for them yeah it would be the it would be the worst possible thing to be forgotten yeah because when you watch a lot of these guys they are like, it's like they've waited years and years to be in that interrogation seat. Mm. And if you listen to how they talk to the cops, it's like they're, it, it's like, you know, a good dog talking to a bad dog. It's right. like we're the same, have this peer to peer thing. I don't like it. And I, I understand why they do it to get the information that they need and stuff like that. I understand, but I don't like the comfortability and the smugness of these guys, which is inherent to them because they're fucking psychopaths. Oh yeah. Like, Let's well, yeah. The narcissism, narcissism comes. That's, that's par for the course when we're talking I, about these, these type of people. Yeah. I just think they would be totally epic to crush that narcissism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just to throw, you know, like throw them in a hole yeah. somewhere and be like, we'll be back. Just get the bare minimum. You just need one life sentence and the victim's families and stuff like that. And you can work with them on a thing, but like that dude, he's dumb. He's not involved mm-hmm. in this. We don't talk to him. He doesn't get any fucking ice cream for telling us little tidbits. Like, no, it's fuck all. And he sits in his box and he shuts the fuck up. And again, like, and, and it'd be like a lifelong thing. And it would be someone that probably you'd take to your grave because you'd have to be there because he's sending letters out and stuff like that. So you'd need a guy that you trust on the inside and be like, you check his fucking letters. No fucking news media, no motherfucker. Like, he's not sending letters to fucking this yep. guy, that, you know what I mean? And just really shut him in. You're in prison, bitch. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, get none of this and and i again that is not a weekend fulfilled fantasy that's a lifetime of broken marriages and estranged children and like you know that's a that's not an easy thing to pull off yeah that's uh that like that's that's what we that's that's what every single person would would want you know we we find these we find these disgusting human beings we throw we 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 prove them of their crimes. We we make sure they're guilty, and we throw them in a box somewhere. And that's really that's or or we tie them to a chair and we get rid of them. You know, we literally throw them in a box somewhere, uh, six feet under six feet underneath yeah. the earth. But the fact is, it's like as much as we sit here and say that, as much as yeah, I mean, I'm 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 with you on that one too. The reason that they don't is the it's that the pathology and how they think and how they. And, and 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 how that it's possible for someone like us to like me and you to exist which you know we're we're assholes but we care about people you yeah. know which we, we 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 wouldn't we wouldn't outwardly go and try to you know go and kill somebody you know at least you know not for many years when we're talking about me but um <clears throat> yeah i haven't done that in a long time but <laughs> but then that you know, and it's and it's an interesting it's it's an interesting sort of you know mystery that opposites uh, the opposites are throughout 
our universe. So if someone could sit here and not want to kill somebody and not have any kind of fantasies and blah, 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 then you think like, well, then the opposite must exist, but that's not a person. No. You know, but that's some animal. That's something. But then you look at a movie like The Clove Hitch Killer, which is based on BT, not based on, but inspired by BTK. And it's like, no, that's a real thing. That's not an animal. That's not the devil. That's not some demon that rose out of hell somewhere. That's a dude. (laughs) And that's more scary. Yeah, God. once, Once you get into true crime and you get away from. So I think everyone comes into true crime and, like, looking at these guys through that monster lens. They're thinking they're going to find Michael Myers or something. You very quickly kind of graduate, I feel like, to realizing, like, people are just capable of this. Like, and and it's not necessarily, like, you can put it all on Ted Bundy's shoulders if you want to, but that just isn't the case. Like, it just isn't. It's just, it's a thing. Like, so don't you think it's funny that, like, so with these serial killers who, again, like serial killers, it, the funny thing about it is that we only ever really encapsulate the sexually motivated ones. Why? Because in media, news media, selling oh, stories, the most books, sex sells. It just does. And that term is true. It's a tropish one for sure. But there's a reason that every single one of the guys who are popular have sexually motivated crimes, or at least as sexually deviant. Because... There's gang leaders out there who've killed far more fucking people than yeah. any of these fucking guys that don't have any books out. <laughs> you know what I yeah, mean? That's no true. one cares. Do you know why? Because he killed them with a gun, and he killed them because he didn't like them. He killed them because this bag's a little light, and he killed them because he's fucking crazy. Like, you know what I mean? He killed them for respect and, and stuff like that. But that doesn't sell. Like that sells to a crime audience. But even even when we're doing crime, it's a different level because we're that type of crime we're looking for geniuses right we're looking for guys who succeeded in a deviant world of like drugs and money and stuff like that like business that mm-hmm. could have succeeded at google yeah and we like to find those geniuses that exist in these low levels and that's how that sells when you look at like murder we ignore a lot of people who like are you serious? There's soldiers out there who laugh in the face of Ted Bundy. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? They're just like, do you have any idea, like, what a SEAL team does when we touch down? Like, do you know what I mean? Uh, and of course, that's a not the same thing. Like, I'm not right. I'm not we're not we're not drawing we're not drawing yeah. a parallel between a serial murderer but and and someone who does it as a profession. Yeah, what sells? What, what's interesting about them? isn't what you think what's interesting you about them isn't what you think is interesting you about them i don't think that's my guess right no i don't think it's because remember gotta remember this how many of you watched and then how many times do they always say this guy might have killed the most people out of all because they don't really know and a lot of it's speculative and then you have to think on the again if you want to be like but true crime you got to think again good dogs and bad dogs so when you look at like, oh, we caught this guy who killed X, Y, and Z, you don't think for a second, right? That if you're a dude who works at a police department, and you're a detective, and you've got all these goddamn cold cases open that don't look good, and you catch a guy who's capable for five murders that you can't tack a couple on to get some cases closed, like that's it um, happens. It, it, it totally does. happens. Mm-hmm. You're right. It that you know what I mean? Like that's a thing, and and so like. Again, you got to take everything with a pinch of salt. What I'm saying is I don't think that it's the number that they kill. 
I think it's the nature of how these guys kill because they're not the most right. prolific. This the right, how how like for for the the for the for the murderer to gain popularity, he has to be a sadistic son of a bitch, or she has to be a sadistic son of a bitch. We're not going to highlight people, and I, and 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 to the point. This is why killers like Jeffrey Dahmer, Ed Kemper, H.H. Uh, H. Holmes. For the most part, I would say for the most part, John Wayne Gacy is the fact that they were sadistic, but they were also quiet, calculated in their, in in their, in their sadism. They were, they were, they weren't going to be caught unless they gave themselves up or messed up or messed up entirely or anything like with Ed Kemper. He was talking, he was hanging out in the jury room with the guys that were trying to catch him. Like the only reason the, he was caught is because he caught he he turned himself in, and that's the thing is these guys don't get caught. No, every goddamn FBI detective has released the goddamn thing on Ted Bundy. They didn't catch this motherfucker. Like he slipped up. Like and it's the same with all of them. Like and and that's not again. It, I love detectives and shit like that. I think it's the most interesting thing ever. I think some of them are excellent. I think that you couldn't. I don't think there's another job out there besides of serving an active military that demands the kind of sacrifice of your own family and things that you love mm-hmm. that that does. Homicide detective. In the most, oh, yeah. yeah, because one is just like what you're seeing every day is stuff that no one wants to see. Oh, nightmares. Then, you know, nightmares. Yeah, then you know, and so you turn to drink or whatever and then your wife leaves you and your kids don't want to talk to you. you got no time for them because you've seen these things and it's just like it's not that I don't love them. It's because I love them. I can't stop trying to catch this fucking guy. Exactly. Right? Like, and it's this. And I, I think, uh, to use a metaphor, I think that the type of people that intrigue us and that make these movies work and and, and create this interest is, uh, I call them spiders, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, these you refer. Yeah, you referred these to. Aren't, uh... These aren't like tigers or, you know, these aren't like bears in the woods just ripping things apart. It's like, no, it's silent and it's interesting because people go to them, right? Mm -hmm. Like they draw them in and they're so static. They exist in one place. I'm not on the move. I'm not moving from state to state. I'm not doing anything special. I'm just doing this, and I'm also I'm doing the thing that society wants me to do, while also doing everything that it doesn't want me to do. Like, and, and again, trying to figure out what that does to somebody. Um, you know, again, not sympathizing with them, but trying to imagine sitting down for dinner with your family after. Well, I mean, doing and, something and that right there is, speaks to. Excuse me. Who? That. That speaks to like Dylan McDermott's performance in the Clove Hitch Killer, where uh, the the whole time he's portraying the you know the Burnside the the killer the Clove Hitch Killer, even when he's in scene doing something simple and mundane, you can almost see it behind his eyes, like you know, and he he did a lot. I, I'm 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 thinking he probably did a fair amount of research on these guys where, you know, they, they, I believe they call it masking 
Like that's what that's what criminal profi- profilers do. You know the the ability of a sociopath like that to be able to right behind their eyes all of this disgusting, dark, horrible shit that they just did. It it never it never gets past that. They'll never emote it. They'll never even lead you on to them being as dangerous as they are. It's perfect. The spider analogy is absolutely perfect, you know? A spider yeah. just draws you right in like, hey, man, it's all good. Nope, I'm just hanging over here in the yeah. corner. Now I'm hanging out a little closer to you. It's all good. Don't worry about it. Oh, you're dead yeah, now. Man. It's cool. <laughs> like, That's the thing, though, is like we've all got spiders in our house, but how often do you see them killing something? But you yeah. know that they do. Oh, you, you know oh that yeah. They do it every oh, absolutely. Day, multiple times a day. But every time you see him, he's just chilling. Yep. In his web up there, and it just seems all cool. And you know what I mean, like. But they're by nature just doing what they do. Um, the so I, I, I there's a really cool free audio book on YouTube. I forget exactly what it's called. I think it's something to do with psychopaths and psychopath study. And. What it was is it kind of broke down the wall of like psychopath gets used negatively a lot. Whereas, like, these people who are doing these things are definitely psychopaths, but there's also people in the positive side of society who are also psychopaths to succeed. Like, um, bomb disposal experts, they found that the people who were top of their teams in bomb disposal and disarming shit mm-hmm. like that, they're stone cold psychopaths. Like, yep. they've never done an evil thing in their life. Mm-hmm. Right, because you've everything they break, do is you've good. Got, yeah, you've got to break. You've got to break that attachment to evil that psychopath has. Mm-hmm. And it's the fact that they can be in that situation. What they actually find is, is when shit gets hot, when that timer gets into that last ten seconds, and your usual person, your average person like you and I, is like fuck. They relax more. Their heart rate goes down. Their blood pressure goes down. Yep. They live in that moment they're not they're not thinking about anything else and it's the same with these guys how they're so good at operating that how they can compartmentalize is because those high stress situations like could you imagine there's a body in the fridge mom's here for dinner what if she get like no i'm gonna be totally chill yep that was an hour ago everything's fine now and yeah yeah, and and they're just being able to just be zen like be yeah. in control be normal that's what makes these guys fucking terrifying <laughs> yeah, yeah that's what makes them super dangerous is and that's, that they can blend it like that. that's well and that right there that's uh it's used to incredible effect in summer of 84 you know because the, oh, yeah. the, the suspected killer in that movie is a police officer and you would kind of think you know, man, what a per like it, it'd be difficult, but what a perfect place to hide in plain sight as the person that's supposed to care the most about human life and has to deal with all kinds of stressful situations. That that right there, what you encapsulated and what you explained about, you know, the the, the psychosis that goes that goes with acting like that is that, you know, yeah. all of a sudden you can just shut it off and now you're empathetic and you're, you're, you know, you're all, oh, you got to ma'am, I got you going, you know, 55, 55 in a, in a 45, I got to give you a ticket. You know, I'm also going to think about, you know, what your head might look like on a spike the whole time I'm writing this ticket, but you'll never know that, you know, that's like these, these little tiny subtle things that we don't necessarily think about 
yeah. unless movies like like these two kind of exist that that theatric like you know theatrically of course but they kind of put those concepts out in front of you like you know this might be a movie but this is kind of and it's and it's scary that the movie can only speculate yeah, you know, from yeah, what exactly. it's from what the filmmakers have learned from real life, you know, uh, real life source material, they can only still speculate on the thought processes and how these people live their lives normally with this extraordinarily dark, disgusting thing on top of them. That's, uh, both movies do it fantastically, but I like I, I really like Summer of '84 for that. That sort of like you know. Uh, makes it kind of a like a tandy kind of John McClane yeah. sort of character too. Like that's where like I feel like so with I think that like with Clove Hitch Killer it's like uh, the BTK references is that's a facade and like a smoke screen. His his uh persona his facade is not at all to execute what he wants to do, right? It doesn't aid him because mm-hmm. when he does what he wants to do, he goes about it in, like gorilla, like and just does it, like right. just only action. Whereas I feel like in Summer of '84, the the thing that I think that feeds to like the scary elements of killers like that, especially child killers, is that he's put himself again in that spider format. Children come to him, like mm-hmm. they feel weird about coming to him. So he uses his facade to actually do the things that he wants. You know what I mean? Like to entice people. So he's built his his whole life to get to where he was. Like he, God knows when he started thinking about this. Like That's, nothing, yeah. none of this happened by accident. He was he was he thought this out very very well. Like about. Well, I'd be suspected. How come? And, and imagine that, like, because I think that is something within serial killers that doesn't get talked about a lot, and I think gets buried a lot, quite frankly. And that's not me being a conspiracy theorist, but like, it would be within the police force's best interest not to be showing mm-hmm. <laughs> people that have been under their employment who were fucking crazy and and right. were sadistic serial killers or killing sex workers and stuff like that and it's a fact it's a factual thing there's plenty of evidence and interview stuff that you know of like um i mean exactly what one might have been like when they were looking into like the long island serial killer and stuff like that like and and just different investigations like it does come up and and you do have to wonder right like because they do have an incentive not for that not to be the case right like because right yes because and and that's not uh, again, that's not like a sadistic thing the police force is doing, but it's just like, dude, like we need people to trust us. Otherwise, a guy like this, like, so us burying this is actually going to help in a weird way, right? Like, so it's not good that we're burying this type of information. But if this information comes out, we can't even help the people this person's killing. You know what I mean? Like, so if there is somebody here who's doing that, no one's going to come to us <laughs> to help them. Right. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's kind of like, a, it, it's it's a real awkward um situation where you're like it's a it's almost like a necessary evil for for that to no you're, you're absolutely no. right like yeah. it's 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 a very it's a very unsettling take on the reality of of 
of you know of, of, of the reality of of the world. I mean, this is these are things yeah. that happen constantly, not just a not just every once in a while. These are these are events that you know there there's there's a statistic out which I don't know if I I believe much, but I've never seen numbers that back it up, but I've never seen numbers that stray away from it, <laughs> which is there's something to the tune of 60 active serial killers in the United States at any one given point in time since the 60s, since the since the start of the uh, major crimes unit for the FBI, since they started actually like, you know, with these guys trying to figure it out and log them and everything. That's, yeah, that's fucked up <laughs> it is uh, but again it's like so uh, I'd, I'd ax a lot of them up to uh, like the fbi's maps and studies seem to point towards you know you point a lot of them up to sex workers and drugs and uh, right there's a lot truck of drivers and state-to-state mm-hmm. -state workers and stuff like that but then like i said the portion that you think of that portion and you think of that it's like oh 60 of those fucking guys like no but then you're thinking guys who are in gangs fucking shooting people every day and stuff like that it's like yeah he's got multiple kills under his belt he's a serial killer too but we don't lump them in and this way yeah. you know, that's that's never encapsulated in the same thing and I, I i think it's calculated in the same thing though from the from law enforcement's point oh of view, totally from the general public, we don't think of those guys in the same league as these guys just because we don't talk about them the same mm -hmm. way that coffee, that that cold Jameson cold brew. It's like the best part of waking up is not giving a fuck. <laughs> like, that's like, that's yeah, how you feel I'm after having, that, you know. I'm having a good time. I've got my calypso, my cavassier right over here. That's working real good. It's doing its job. Hell yeah! Well, um, uh, you probably just heard a commercial break there, most likely. Ooh. Uh, yeah, I mean, we, uh, for sure we could have done uh, separate episodes on this particular, these two particular movies, and it, yeah, sure. But um, you, you said I think at the beginning of the podcast, this is kind of, you know, we'd be talking about generally the same the same themes, and uh, we would probably be comparing and contrasting the two films anyway. So this is kind of a, you know, a uh, a listener focus. Uh, type of thing that we've that we tried to do here for you, and I really hope you you enjoyed it. Like I said, this was a this was the format. This is what it was going to be, doing multiple movies a podcast. Um, you know, but it still works. It's still it's still awesome. Okay. I still like it. Um, both of these movies are again none of the movies on this list are here for happenstance or by accident or just to fill a spot. You know, Warren Warren yeah. has put this list together with a uh, with specific goal in mind, and that goal is to scare the shit out of yourself on Halloween. Yes, uh, effectively, correct. and in different ways. <laughs> All the ways possible. We've mm -hmm. gone, yeah, and I, I like that. I like that we've gone supernatural. We've gone super real like you know what yeah I mean? like it's we've uh we've we've danced on we've danced on both uh on both hemispheres as far as that goes from the uh the the unbelievable to the uh the too believable i think <laughs> yeah so i think there's something for everyone like uh you know because paranormal horror doesn't do it for everybody 
doesn't get them scared. Maybe maybe you need it to be the guy next door. <laughs> you know, like maybe yeah. you need it to be that close to home. Well, you know, I think uh, most people don't like his movies, but I happen to like his original movies. The Halloween ones, you can take them or leave them, but Rob Zombie's original movies, I happen to like very much. And he made a, a very good point uh, when he was talking about what was scary. And he's like, what's, you know, what's more terrifying? This gigantic prehistoric creature that I'm never going to see for real? Or that psycho over there with a pillowcase on his head running at me with an axe? That's scarier. And I think yeah. the I think all of these movies on this on this list have have really played around with how close to reality they are. I mean, some of them speak directly to it and some of them are, you know, less attached to reality in, in some way. For sure. No, it's um like I said, it's flavor of the flavor of the week. Um if you if you've uh, I, I recommend watching every film on this list. Whether yeah, you yeah. can squeeze it into this month or not, I reckon that you should watch them. I think that it will. Uh, some of these films will leave craters in your movie watching experience where you just won't watch a film the same way again. Like you'll like because it's gonna fall short because some of these films are done so well it's going to kind of ruin some films for you until you find that next good one. Like, and, and I, I, I think that's right where as a movie, what that's right where you want to be, right. We want to be on the hunt. Right. And I think, um, I, I think the, uh, the list that we've compiled over these, over this past month here, and especially over the past, you know, over the past 10 days where we did our little countdown, uh, from the 21st to the 31st, you know, 10 rapid fire episodes for you guys, um, which is awesome. I mean, I, it, I I really, truly hope with my entire heart that you enjoyed it and that you don't expect that kind of work ethic out of us ever again. Um, <laughs> but uh, but the, the, the biggest thing that I that I hope the, that y'all that are watching this kind of get out of it is that you watch the movies that are on this list and that it in some way changes the way you search for horror specifically um forever you know it, it's yeah you're not just gonna go to the ones that look like the film that you know you've already like you know it's you, oh yeah. I, I only watched this one because you know the the marquee sign looked like the exorcist i like the exorcist or or the killer in this one looked was like you know very michael myers and i love that i really hope that this kind of maybe not changed forever but at least reset you know, the way that, that you approach searching for movies and specifically, you know, for this one, specifically horror. But I'm, I'm hoping that this podcast does that for a lot of people. That yeah, it sort man. of resets it's, it's what, you, uh, what you expect. I think we've talked about it before. You can get stuck waiting for that new shiny thing to come out. And when you wait nine months for a film to be born, it's yeah. um, not always what you waited for and it can be you know sometimes it is but still that's nine months like it's a long time from the conception of it's in production to like when it's coming out we're all waiting for that new film and by all means definitely we all watch those new films but do you know how many films you haven't seen that are already there like that you could watch right now on thingy and i think that's where we're gonna delve in um like I said, we're, we we might talk about some films that are coming out or been out, but at the same time, it's like I 
you guys are going to watch those, I, you know, I, mm -hmm. I, I imagine. Um, we're all going to watch them. Um, so I'd like to kind of, we're about the streaming services, not the movie theaters. So it's, it's, right. that's where we... We're still it. not doing Halloween Kills. <laughs> no. Or any of them. Go watch the movie, enjoy them for what they are, but we're not going to tell you about a movie we know you're going to watch. I'm sorry. Yeah. Exactly. No, but again, you'll see if uh, hopefully you guys will dig the format going into different genre of films where we're going to open the palette up. And so we might do horror films going on. You know, there is going to be horror films pop up, mm -hmm. um, but we're going to be doing comedies, action, drama, whatever. Like that, the whole thing, whatever we find that we're like, oh, I found this and it was a pleasant surprise. And I think other people should fucks with it all right so yeah it's definitely um like the the coolest thing about the about this particular experience in this podcast is that warren and i get to share our fucking weird brains with with all y'all and uh i think we did a i think we did a, a very interesting um sort of uh preparation for the future of this podcast with october um, the kind of eclectic mashup, but you know, there was still a kind of a, there was a vein that went through all of them, but everything, all, all the movies were delightfully different in their own kind of way. And, uh, you know, it, it's moving forward. I think, uh, the, you, the viewers and listeners, hopefully you'll be viewers. Maybe we could do a visual podcast. If hit us up on Twitter, if you want to see that stuff, I've got hours of it. Um, but, uh, hopefully the listeners out there, uh, will really, Hopefully this podcast will, uh, will, you know, hit that tuning fork for you and, and really kind of make you aware of something wonderful. I would love nothing more than to, to read on Twitter that, you know, I, I, I pat like, hey, guys, I passed this movie so many times in my queue because I just didn't have the, you know, it just didn't interest me. Yeah. But I but you guys talked about it. I clicked on it. And hey, I enjoyed it. Or just the opposite. Hey, you guys told me to watch this movie. And I thought it was a pile of shit. Please, yeah. Yeah. please, I want to have those conversations. Exactly. I yeah, do. Exactly. I that that's one of my favorite conversations um, with uh, about movies. Is I love talking to people about films that they love that I hate. Yes, or vice we've versa. we've done that yeah, a bunch it, of times. They're they're such good conversations, and you know, you both come in there kind of set in your ways, but like. The thing with it is, like, no one's wrong. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, that's you know the beauty of uh, of of the conversations that that we both want to have with with the viewers out there. Um, that at the end of the day, it's art. It's art we're talking about, and anything can be. You know? Yeah, it's pretty cool. Was, yeah, you could whether it's you know something as you know out there is something like the lovely bones or if you want to go as visceral as sewing people's mouths to each other's assholes <laughs> like yeah can, you could like, you could do that too and it's it's all art it just is it's like, it's all there and and i'm hoping that uh we were we were able to guide you through some interesting things this this halloween season you know everything from everything from you know a descent into darkness to the cleansing hour all the way through up until uh, Hell House LLC, and and even through these movies here, I, I really hope that there was 
uh, that there was something for, for everybody. And uh, yeah. I hope you all have a incredibly fun, happy Halloween. And uh, I can't wait to make more for you guys. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, man. Yeah, no, it's going to be really cool. Thank you for listening. And uh, we will see you on another time. Thanksgiving, dude. We got to talk about turkey. Oh. Dude, if I find a movie about a killer turkey, we're talking about it. Yeah. No, that, that's a thing. <laughs> that's like, happening. <laughs> turkey cast. I've got it penciled in already. Like, um, for sure. Let me, um, I put some beers in the freezer and I need to get them. Right. Because <laughs> that's not good. Much I'll love be... you guys. We'll see you on the next one. Don't put beer in the freezer. <laughs>